right, guys, what's up? Today we are here with Sarah Clifton, and Sarah is quite the amazing woman. If you guys have never heard her story, it is one that's been told quite a bit, and it's really about her support of Sean and their kind of battle through Sean being shot and wounded very, very badly in Afghanistan, and they had a pretty difficult recovery. They had young kids, and he was in Walter Reed Hospital for a while getting surgeries. And you can just imagine what a family goes through when um, a soldier is, is so badly wounded and has to go through all the pain and the anxiety of you know the prescription drugs and all those different things. And so they have an amazing story, mainly because you can know Sean, and you can know Sarah, and they're happy and they smile. They're great people. They talk to you. They've got an amazing family. They're hard workers. And unless you asked or unless you knew, you would never know. And, you know, I, I have people that know Sean for three, four years or know Sarah for a while. And they come up to me and they're like, Hey man, did you know that like John got shot in Afghanistan? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know. Um, and it's, it's such a cool thing because I think that speaks a lot to their character and a lot to their integrity and their personality. I think so often now people love to play the victim. Something happens in their life and they all of a sudden become consumed by the identity of that. And they then a lot of veterans too, sometimes they play on that, right? Sometimes that's something that um, you know becomes something where they can't move on to the next thing or the next stage in their life. And so I asked Sarah on here and I told her that we weren't really going to talk about uh, Sean or Sean's injury. We were going to talk about them moving on. We're going to talk about that next stage. And I think it's so important. You know, I'm, I'm in a private group for tomb guards and there are tomb guards that are 50, 60, 70 years old. And every day these guys wake up and they put a letterman's jacket on that says tomb of the unknown soldier on it. And they put their hat on, it says tomb of the unknown soldier on it. They get in their car and it says TUS 323. And they have a big tomb of the unknown soldier sticker in the back of their window. And these guys have lived 45 years after the tomb, and they just haven't gone on to accomplish very much. And I think a lot of that is because they become consumed of the identity of associating with being a tomb guard. And, you know, that's great. It's it's an amazing accomplishment, um, you know, just like, you know, being shot and coming back and assimilating back into a community and into a society where they're both very active in charities. They're both giving back to their community in amazing ways, but they're not consumed by it. It's not the first thing out of their mouths when they meet you. And, and really, if you didn't pry, if you didn't plug, maybe if you didn't Google them, you wouldn't know. And I, I think that that's just, it's, a, it's an admirable trait, and it's something I've always loved about them and their family. Uh, Tom wrote a, a screenplay for them, and it was something that I had the pleasure of reading. I think I'm one of the few people that has read the script from cover to cover. And it's, an, it's a truly amazing story, and my hope is that there's a book or a movie in some time here in the future that you guys can understand better what they go through as a family, because that's the story that's not told in a lot of these movies. It's 
action, action, action. It's sexy. It's Chris Hemsworth and, you know, this guy and that guy that are good looking. And it's not necessarily, and Sean is, Sean, you're extremely good looking. So is Sarah. So, you know, they probably pick really good looking actors to portray them also if the movie ever gets made. But, you know, they, they tell the story of the action and a guy gets wounded or a guy gets shot and he gets dragged off the battlefield. They don't highlight that. And then it's like, oh, you know, what happened to Johnson? Johnson's going to make it. And like, that's all the credit the guy gets. And it's like, they never talk about this year long journey of the hospital stay at Walter Reed. And they never talk about any of this, but what the real amazing story is, is these guys and Sean just celebrated his a day or his alive day. And these guys have really made what I consider to be a full recovery. I mean, they are living an amazing life that they're happy and healthy. They have great priorities. They have an amazing head on their shoulders. And I just, I'm always blown away by, by Sarah. I love Sean and you know, he's amazing and, and he's doing his uh, contractor thing and he travels and takes these long stints. But, you know, the more I'm around mothers, the more I appreciate the work and the time and the love and the effort and the sacrifice and the energy that goes into it. And, you know, Sarah is a mom. She's a good mom and she does a great job with, you know, balancing a tough work schedule with her husband, but also still finding time for herself and her own happiness. And she's very acutely aware of her non-negotiables. And it's, it's honestly, all of these are the reasons why I wanted to talk to her, even though I don't think she understood why I wanted to talk to her if we weren't going to talk about, you know, the injury and Sean and the things that she's so used to talking about. But, you know, I always like to know that and tell that people have their own stories and people have their own place where they are in life. And there's always such a value to that. So I'm positive that the moms in this will get something away. And I hope that some of you dads and some of you men or even sons and daughters who really just don't appreciate maybe the sacrifices that your parents made, maybe you guys will get something out of this. And, um, you know, if not, hopefully you guys laugh a little bit and I hope you guys enjoy it. Thank you. All right. Hey, guys. Yeah, Sarah was getting into my music there, my intro music. I already started looking into my season two intro music, which I'm pretty excited about. I already know which one I'm going to go with. Uh, here, do you know the? Do you know what song that is? No. no. Okay. Yeah, it's Thug's Mansion, Tupac. It's oh. one of my favorites. Uh, okay, so uh, we are here with Sarah. I'm going to let her introduce herself. Go ahead, Sarah. Hi, I am Sarah Clifton. I've been at Friendship. I think I'm going on my fourth year. Yeah, it's been a little bit. Uh, who joined first, you or Sean? Sean. Okay, so Sean came first, and then Took you second. Took about six and... months to get me to join. Okay, yeah. and then uh, and then the boys shortly thereafter. Mm-hmm. Um, so first question I want to ask. So uh, we just had this yesterday. Mm-hmm. It was Sean's a day or a live day. Yep. Uh, can you tell everybody kind of what an alive day is, and what year this was for him, and yep. maybe some other stuff about it? Yep. Uh, Two thousand nine. On May 31st, as many of you know, he was critically injured in Afghanistan. Um, He almost lost his life. So the year after that, we said, you know what, let's make this day where it could have been the worst day ever and celebrate it and name it a live day. Yeah. And so that's something that you guys have created. Yes. And now that's gained a little bit of traction, right? Other people have started to use that term a little bit. Uh, I don't know. I okay. haven't really. Okay. That, that for me, I just focus on Sean and our yeah. family, so I don't really look outside of that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we all went as a group and saw twelve strong, mm-hmm. and 
we've seen a couple other war movies and it's kind of like, oh, these guys get injured and then they're just like gone from the movie. Yeah. And like, it was, I mean, it's an amazing script. I really hope that it at some point sees the light of day because, you know, it brought me to tears a few times, mm-hmm. which it's just, it's hard to hear that stuff about like your friends and yeah. people you care about and the tough times that they go through yeah. and stuff. But I think at the end, it's like, you know, it's got an awesome happy ending, especially yeah. for you guys, like a real happy ending, yeah. you know? Yeah, and we just thought it was important, too, to say what happens when the soldier comes home. Because, yeah. like you said, all the movies, I know it's great action and everything, but it's all mission and then done. You know, and then maybe at the end, they roll some pictures from after. Yeah, know? exactly. And that's it. Yep. So. Well, most of the pictures after are, like, the, t- the real the team. team or yeah. something. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like, yeah. it's not necessarily, um, you know, going through the journey. And this journey is years sean had over 30 surgeries or close to it over you know 10 years or so yeah and he was still getting surgeries even once he came back into friendship to increase the range of motion in his wrist yeah and he worked with worked with the doctors on all that stuff so you know it's such a a long spanning thing yeah and i think now with the ptsd and a lot of the mental health issues and different things that are going on out there i think it's a really important story to tell because it is it's a longer journey it's a journey that the communities have to pick up yeah. for um for each one of these soldiers that comes back it's not just something that we can obviously rely on the va for yeah. or anything like oh, that yeah. and that's the story you always tell me is you know you'd walk by you know these soldiers who who didn't necessarily have the family support yeah. or you know who don't go back into that structure yeah. and so it's difficult one of the highlights of the story is scotty Scotty, Scotty. Hottie, so yeah. Scotty too hottie, Scotty the body comes out of this. And so he's your youngest and yeah. he's five now? He's seven. Oh, he's seven? Okay, <laughs> he so, seven. so I'm way off. Jeez. He hasn't been in the gym for a while. Time, so. time flies, man. It's yeah. crazy. That's like my nephew just turned nine. He's like, I, yeah. same thing. Yeah. Like, I still think of him as six. A little kid. So. Okay, so seven, Scotty. Seth is how old? Seth is nine, will be 10. Okay. Stone is 11, will be 12 soon. Okay, yeah. cool. Awesome. And so Stone's getting into like, big boy sports yeah. right so it's a stone looks like he had like his first real like travel basketball yeah. real legitimate experience yeah and seth plays basketball too right seth does basketball but he also does soccer okay which i wish stone did more than one sport okay but um i'm not going to pay for something that he's not wanting to do yeah for sure um and then scotty's just kind of trying everything out right now okay cool so. i think you know i think that's hugely important i think you and sean i love talking to you guys about sports <laughs> for your kids because i think you guys are like extremely rational sports parents where you're so. just like yeah. you're just like you know there's way more important things yeah. than 8th grade and basketball fifth grade. yeah I mean, it's it's fifth grade, so. exactly yeah. yeah so i think that, that i love your guys perspective on it when we do talk about it but i think that's exactly right it's like you know it would be cool to see more involvement but if they don't want to do it i was kind of forced into playing a couple of sports and then I got burned down on those sports by the yeah. time I was like 13 mm-hmm. and then you kind of lose interest but did in you it, love so. it once you were playing because sometimes the kids just don't want to practice and they just want to do the games. Yeah, I, so baseball, I, I was great at baseball. Baseball was my best sport. Mm-hmm. I loved it growing up. I played on some really good travel teams. and But, you know, you're playing 90 games a summer yeah. and you're like 12 years old or yeah. 13 years old. Like, it's crazy. I loved the sport, but it was mm-hmm. like, but I also wanted to do other things. You yeah. know, like, I wanted to go summer. to the pool with my friends yeah. and do some of those other things that you just totally miss out on. You're playing yeah. double headers like every other day. And so, and I like to swim, uh, like competitively swim also mm-hmm. in the summers. Now looking back on it, like I was so, you're so selfish as a kid, like you're making decisions based on yourself. I'm like, think about my mom. She's like going to like Hauling double headers yeah. in a van with me and Alex Moore and like 
packing muddy crap into her into her car mm-hmm. all day long and then like she's up at like 6 30 to bring me to oh, swim yeah. practice yeah. Just, but you don't think about that i know <laughs> yeah it's so crazy i think about it. now i see your guys in like i see yeah. the moms going through it yeah and i'm always like god I, like I wish I would have quit more sports just for my mom's yeah. sake, so she'd have a little bit more time. Crazy. So how do you how do you balance that? How do you balance uh, the sports over the winter? Winter's the hardest for you, right? Yeah. Um, well, I'm pretty lucky because my kids aren't. Stone is the most involved, and I don't have three where it's like, oh my gosh, how am I going to split myself in three? Yeah. Sometimes I try to split in two. Yes. Yeah. Every well, you know that Sean travels a lot, mm-hmm. so when he's gone, it's really hard. But luckily, like, you just know the other parents really well yeah. and ask for rides. Can you bring them home and things like that? Yeah, for sure. But what I struggle with is I want to watch every single game. Yeah. Um, I'm trying not to go to practice because I just don't want to be that parent looking over. <laughs> Although I'm not watching the coaches, I'm just enjoying watching my kids. Yeah. Um, but I'm trying to kind of step away from that and just drop them off and say, I'll pick you up later. Yeah. Um, but it is hard, but you just rely on other people yeah. to help you out. When Sean travels, you still make it into the gym a lot, though. So I think <laughs> that's something that I think is really cool. Sean, if you're listening, which you should be, <laughs> uh, we're working on making sure he gets his butt back into the gym really consistently this summer. How do you kind of you know, fit that into your schedule? How do you look at those priorities, and how do you kind of balance all that? Well, the 930 class, I never want to miss. I yep. love the group. I love... Maria, Andy, everybody that coaches that class. Um, so what I do, and it's probably going to sound a little selfish, I schedule around 9.30. Yeah. Like that has to be my priority. It's one hour where I go and I don't think about being a mom or, you yep. know, where's Sean at? What's he doing? Yeah. You know, anything like that. So I'm just focusing on that hour and then I'm a better mom for it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think that's that couldn't be more well said. I think it's... you. you have to kind of put your first things first yeah. is that helps your mental stress that helps you you know not get to that like freak out point where you're oh, bottling everything in and, sure. and you yeah. can let out some of your stresses yeah and in um, the summer it is harder to go to 9 30 because the kids are like oh you're gonna go you're gone for like two hours they're <laughs> like and I don't know if it's just my voice but they are a little bit clingy to me yeah and I'm like yes I'm going to go you guys are fine because they're at the point where I can leave them for an hour and a half yeah you know um so they kind of make me feel a little bit guilty, but I just throw it away and go. <laughs> it's okay. I was going to say, they'll figure that out sooner rather than later. I'm like, just don't kill each other while I'm gone. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I love it. Um, so at that 930 class then, yeah. you're such a regular there. Yeah. Um, I feel like you've really made like a great job. Now, obviously, you're very social, right? But I feel like you've done a great job of really making some tangible relationships, oh, yeah. some friendships that have been kind of newly born outside of the gym. And then, you know, you've brought some people like Adrian and some of your friends mm-hmm. from outside the gym already into yeah. the gym. Um, you know, what do those friendships mean to you? Has, has that kind of turned into something that you also kind of rely on for like an outlet to, you know, talk to those people about maybe things that like you wouldn't t- otherwise talk to them about? Yeah, there's a couple that I share things with. Um, I'm not a big share of personal stuff. Uh, because I don't want to bog other people down. <laughs> but um, there's definitely that 930 class. There's such a mix of women and men. Um, and they have all different journeys and all different stories. And I just think that's kind of a way to build your own character. Yeah. Is just to listen and hear about other people. Yeah. Um, and you take a new appreciation for things or 
you know, you may think one way, you know, and you're, and you're a firm believer in something, and then you hear somebody's story or somebody else's way of thinking, and then you kind of go back and be like, oh, yeah, or, yeah. you know? Yeah, no, so I think that's cool. great. Yeah, that exposure to different walks of life, different yeah. struggles. Um, and then yeah. I love seeing, like, Maggie, Diana, and Barb, because they're, what, in their 60s, mm-hmm. and I'm 40. Yeah. And I'm just thinking, wow, you know, i got another 20-some yeah. years yeah. here. That's I wanna, great. I want to be a badass in my 60s. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, and I don't look at them as 60-year-old women. No. You know, they're just awesome women. But I'm like, man, you know, I, I shouldn't stress about getting my pull-up. I've got 20 years to yeah. do it. You yeah. Know? No, all the time. I mean, I, it's, it's seriously one of the things I'm most thankful for in our community that, like, we have... 60 year old women that are leaders and i'm like i want the teenagers to watch them like i want 20s 30s 40s like you need to realize that like that is kind of the lifestyle that we're trying to build is like not even just functional but like a true badass in your 60s like you're doing the same thing like strict pull-ups and rope climbs in your 60s and like cookies asking people to like jump on her back and and do like buddy carries and like amazing yeah she's doing donkey kicks yeah exactly yeah it's and it's like you know i i hope that we're not only adding years to their life but also Mm -hmm. making these years like just like you said you don't think of them as 60 like they're they're moving around they're smiling they're laughing they're active like they're like they're 30 or 40 you know i i love you know how sharp and you know articulate and just they're all they're an amazing group yeah. of, of women. They're very fun. So so I think it's great. So do you use then the gym as like social outlet? Do you try to utilize that in that capacity or do you feel like it's mostly just like you come for the hour and then, you know, maybe stick around and talk a little bit afterwards, mm-hmm. but then you gotta go back to your normal day? That's a good question. I think yeah, I use it as social because I talk to everybody that's mm-hmm. there. Um, but with three smaller kids it's harder to like go out and hang out because you can't really do things on spur of the moment. Yeah. It's a little bit tricky. Um, but yeah, I meet up with some of the ladies, you yeah. know, for lunch or dinner, but not often as I'd like to. But, yeah. You know, it's still nice. So in 10 years when Scotty oh, geez, is 18. That. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and he's just a pure ladies man at that point. Oh, Hopefully he no, loses his grabbing butt, uh, <laughs> butt stage. Yeah. Um, <laughs> then it's like, okay, now we can go out and it's, it's party time, right? Well, I don't know about that. I'm a little tired, but maybe. That's great. All right. So uh, one of the big things that you kind of picked up relatively recently, at least, you know, this has been since I've I've known you, Mm -hmm. um, is the Cause for Canines charitable stuff. You guys have started fostering dogs Mm -hmm. and you guys have started also running some of the charitable events and helping out Cause for Canines with volunteering your time. Yeah. Um, so tell me kind of how that materialized and what kind of prompted you to want to start fostering dogs. Um, well, a couple years ago, Sean and I's first dog ever passed away. I'll probably start crying. <laughs> and, you know, that was our first child. And Sean wasn't ready for a new dog. And I could not stand not having a dog in the house. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if I saw it online or what happened. But the next thing I know, a woman's coming to my house to tell me about fostering and, and cause for canines. I think at the time it was cause for paws. Yeah. Um, so I was like, let's do it. Let's foster, you know. And then we got our first dog camo. You'll yeah. never forget your first foster. Yeah. Um, and ever since that, it's just like, okay, let's, let's keep going. Because I kind of feel like, you know, maybe it's my dog that passed. She's kind of living through these dogs. Yeah. And, um, 
because I have two dogs. Well, we have two dogs now, and they're great dogs, but it's never your first dog, no yeah. matter how many dogs that you have. Yeah. Um, but I, I love it. And when I can and I don't feel too overwhelmed, I try to take puppies in yeah. as much as I can. And the reason I do puppies is because um, Scotty, who's seven that we mentioned before, He's not very good with personal space, and I don't want to get an older dog into the house when I don't really know the background, and Scotty oversteps, yeah. gets in the dog's face. What if the dog bites him? Then it's blamed on the dog, yeah. you know? So I just am doing puppies for Well, now. and they screen you, right? It's like under five years yeah. old kids. You can't you can't yeah. even foster at all, probably because of the same, same uh, things. Oh, well, you're, yeah, you're not supposed to do that. I've yeah. had a couple in with Scotty being younger, but I think it was probably a desperate situation. Yeah, so. for sure. And then, you know, I'm big on the volunteering money is, is obviously great. And that's, you know, a lot of these shelters need volunteering yeah. money. You know, I'm always a big believer in really the, the biggest resource that a lot of these charities need is, is time. And then, you yeah. know, and obviously fostering is time, yeah. obviously, but it's also space. So what kind of prompted you to maybe start taking some of that, that next step and start helping them a little bit more, not even just fostering, but also going out running events, organizing events mm-hmm. and helping some of those guys do actual adoption events. Mm-hmm. Well, I think because um, I've worked outside, I've worked all my life, yeah. and now that I'm a stay-at-home mom, which is still working, I don't want to offend anyone, <laughs> um, I kind of felt like something was missing. I didn't really have a balance, um, so I wanted to do more, and I thought about uh, you know, how else could I help this organization, so you were kind enough to let us have um, some events at the gym, and then also doing home visits where you go to the home and make sure... You know, it's a safe place for the dog. Yeah. Um, and selfishly, it's just kind of a balance for me. So I'm not, so I can do other things without housework stuff. Yeah, no, for sure. I think in... And I love dogs. I was so. going to say, and you love dogs. Yeah, for sure. You were kind of the, a little bit the straw that broke the camel's back, let's say, for, for friendship. Because <laughs> this is kind of like, you started it and now all of a sudden it's like, Sunshine and Alex are getting oh, pretty big into the fosters. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, they're all in there. And Andy and Kristen Era. And then and now it's kind of this this ball started rolling a little bit. And yeah. so now our community has sort of gotten behind this charity a little bit specifically, mm-hmm. but also dog fostering, dog adoption mm-hmm. a little bit more generally. Mm-hmm. Have you ever taken a second to like recognize that that was kind of started from you? Well, on the way here, I was kind of thinking about it because I was wondering, what in the world is he going to ask me? Yeah. And I can remember, I think Erica and Zach were actually the first ones because yeah. they took that little terrier and yeah. I can't remember what his name was um, because he was a hospice dog and mm-hmm. they were thinking he's probably going to pass away. Well, he's, he's still living yeah. you know, and doing great. Um, I had no idea. Bruce Wayne, I think. Oh, yeah. yeah oh, Bruce. no, that's their, that's their that's black it. one. Oh, okay. I don't know what the other one is. But um, I just, you know, French, everybody at Friendship loves dogs. Mm-hmm. I think that's almost a requirement to yeah. be a member. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't have any idea how it would take off. But I think a lot of people don't realize that you can foster a dog. Yeah. And that's a great way also I don't want it to sound bad, but to see if it fits your family, too. You can foster them and give them a great home, show them love, and then, hey, if it fits in your family, well, there you go. Yeah, it ends up kind of having a... It's kind of like a win-win-win, right? Yeah. It's it's the dog needs to be fostered to take some of the pressure off of the organization itself, yeah. So that they aren't required to actually house all of these dogs yeah. themselves. Then, like you said, that that next step yeah. is, you know, is it right for us? Do we like this dog? Does it fit our right. personality? Or does my dog or house? like another dog? Exactly, yeah. and then and then you can make a more educated decision yeah. if you do end up adopting from there. 
or what's that called? A foster fail, right? Yeah. Is that what you guys call yeah. it? Yeah. Which you've done twice, right? Well, I actually I didn't foster Scout okay. or Sammy. Oh, okay. But we did get them from rescues. Scout, oh, okay. Scout was a hoarding situation. There were like 100 dogs in this woman's house. I don't know how she did that. Um, and then Sammy we got last summer. Um, I was stalking a rescue website, and she was in Michigan, and we were going to be vacationing in Michigan. Oh, okay. So I asked Sean on our way home if we could just spin by and yeah. just, just visit. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. we all know lot, where that's yeah. going. <laughs> she looks a lot like our first dog that yeah. passed, so I figured, I told Sean it was totally up to him, but I figured once he saw her yeah. that it would be over. Yeah. So yeah. we brought her home from vacation. Manipulative, Sarah. <laughs> but also I wanted to say, too, cause for canines, they don't, um, we don't have like a central station. Yeah. So they're pulling from pounds. Uh, we have people that reach out that are just overwhelmed. Yeah. Um, people surrender and things like that. So we post pictures and we can't rescue that dog unless we have a foster that can take it in. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I think that's what like fostering becomes hugely important yeah. at that point. Yeah. And then you guys have... Over the last few years, we're going to kind of switch gears a little bit on okay. the fostering yeah. just a touch, but uh, over the last few years, you guys have started to build out that backyard just a little oh, bit, right? Yeah. And yeah. so I assume the dogs are out there playing with you quite a bit yeah. now. Uh-huh. But I know you guys did a patio and then you guys did a workout space too, yeah. right? Like yeah, a little rig. little rig gym <laughs> for, for the kiddos. Yeah. So two questions on that. <clears throat> I'm always interested to know for people who purchase or who buy the home gym stuff, okay. has it gotten the use? I know what you're going to ask me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The kids use it. Okay. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. The the big thing, so this is what I tell you. So the outdoor rig is half our home gym, mm-hmm. right? We, we took it out of here because we had it three years ago and we never use it. Right. But I'm always interested to know that, like, especially with kids, I think that's, like, a cool opportunity, especially for you as a mom with young boys. Mm-hmm. Not only can you show them that women can be strong, women yeah. can train, and women are um, you know, can teach you things and be leaders and all those things, which is a big part of why we have Maria coach the kids and teens class also is Mm -hmm. like, yeah, put a strong, badass woman out in front of them and let them realize that like, they can be that. Exactly. But do you ever try to coach and and teach your kids at home when they're training or working with you? Or do you hope to maybe see that in the future as they get older? I feel like you're always kind of coaching your kids, you know? Um, like working out wise, we'll fool around on the rig. I mean, it's nothing serious. Yeah. You're like, you're going to do this, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, and Scotty, basically, I think it's his age. He loves if you go out there and try to do like a toe to bar with them or yeah. just hang from it. Yeah. You know, anything like that. Um, but I feel like as a parent, you're always kind of coaching them. Um, I leave the real workout coach to Maria. Yeah. I'll just bring them to her. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like they listen to other people a little bit better. Yeah. yeah. It's a, it's a different, uh, different engagement. We yeah. can't talk about that all the time. Yeah. That's uh, <clears throat> but isn't that cool? It's like, I, I try to tell people all the time, really pay attention. I think people with kids have an additional insight that people who don't have kids don't get. And I think that insight is watch how excited like a young boy gets to just go in hang and jump and run and play and fall and do all these things yeah i'm like that's how we're hardwired yeah like they're excited to do burpees yeah i mean legitimately think about how much we fuck ourselves up as we start going through like the years of like 
high school and college and like beginning adulthood where yeah. it's just like you're like oh, I don't do want to do that that yeah. sucks it's yeah. just like I have to get on the ground and get back up yeah. like well, my 11 oh. year old is already getting like that is he so it's yeah. just like oh no yeah yeah <laughs> did you see Adam Fitzsimmons post yesterday talking about the air conditioning, air conditioning yeah, in there <laughs> so I was like this is I would love well to. I was thinking too I'm like well uh Evie, she's she's used to sitting in the hot gym waiting for her mom and dad, yeah, so it's for probably sure. it's no probably, big deal. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, if it's 73, I mean, it's yeah. got 15 degrees yeah. in the gym most days. So last thing I want to talk about here, let's talk about competition stuff. Because okay. you recently did a women's only competition with uh, Shelly yeah. and Lisa Armitage. Mm-hmm. And then, and I think off the top of my head, we were kind of trying to count a little bit before. That's maybe your fourth or fifth competition. Something. Yeah, I think so. So you've dabbled and you've also done individual and team mm-hmm. um so tell me a little bit about what competitions are for you mm-hmm. why you do them and then um and what your thoughts are difference between individual and team mm-hmm. well i do uh competitions usually because somebody will ask me to do it with them um and plus it's just a great another great way just to hang out you yeah. know with some women like you yeah um and i grew up playing sports so i think that i kind of like that uh competition you know yeah. competitiveness a little bit that I missed for many years yeah. after college. Um, and I much, I would rather be on a team than individual. Cause yeah. I did individual one year and I think it was before I knew how to do rope. Well, it was before I knew how to do rope climbs and I don't know who makes up the exercises. Yeah. No, me. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. And one of them was crazy <laughs> with, uh, running with the wall ball somewhere. And then yeah. you had to do eight, or four rope climbs, eight rope climbs, or yeah. something. Four rope climbs, and then you had to go backwards. For oh, four it was rope really climbs. mean. Yeah. It was really mean, <laughs> Jeff. And uh, I can just remember thinking, don't cry, don't cry, because I was basically standing at the rope oh. to let the time run out. Trying. You got one, though. I think. Well, I did, and that was yeah, great for it me. Was, yeah. But then you have the whole community staring at you, cheering for you, and I just wanted to tell them to go away. Yeah. Go yeah. sit down. Don't watch me. Yep. Yeah. You know? no, I, I hate the same thing. I don't like being cheered on uh, when I'm doing maybe not my best on thing. I don't even like getting cheered on when I am doing yeah, this. But it was horrible. You know, everybody's different. <laughs> <laughs> well, but let's take on that for a second because before the competition, before the events had come out. You couldn't do a rope climb at all. No. And, like, it wasn't even something that was even close to in your repertoire. Yeah. And then by the time the competition came up, we had practiced and you had done a few of yeah. them. And then, you know, a little bit of pressure of the competition yeah. and you got your first rope yeah. climb. So, and like, I tore the tips of all my fingers because I fell down yeah, from yeah, the rope. Gripping, that was yep. awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but now and now I'm sure you're just, like, stud rock star that rope climbs. Total stud. No, no yeah. problem. Yeah. I love it. What sports do you play growing up? Uh, basketball. Okay, nice. Yeah. Awesome. I tried volleyball. I did that for a year. Uh, I was so upper body weak, I couldn't even serve it over the net. Were you so. as tall as you are I now? I was this tall since seventh grade. Okay, three. and how tall are you? Uh, five ten. Half okay, five yeah, I was going to say you're pretty pretty tall for a woman, for sure. Okay. That's what why is, I slunch. That's why you slunch. Don't <laughs> slouch. you got to stand up tall. What? Um, okay, so what are your... Did you enjoy basketball more than volleyball? Yes. And what position do you play in basketball? Uh, they had me at center most of the time. Okay, so you're like posting I other hated bitches that up. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I grew. So when I played basketball, I was I grew up point guard. I'm like five foot two through my sophomore oh my year. God. Yeah, unbelievably <laughs> short. So it was horrible. But when I hit my junior year, I like hit my stride. I had quit official basketball at that point, and we had a really like intense intramural league. Yeah. <clears throat> but I grew to like you know six two, six three, and yeah. and then everyone kept trying to make me like 
post people up, but yeah, I've never in my whole tall, life knew what to do. Yeah, for crazy. sure. Yeah. It's horrible. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, like, I wish Kevin Durant had been around back then. I would have just stuck with being tall and lanky, which would have been cool back then. <laughs> All right. So what are you, over the next year, what are you kind of focused on? What do you want to improve? And then are you going to sign up for any more competitions? Or kind mm-hmm. of, like, what's the rest of your year looking like? Um, well, I'm always wanting to improve. There's lots of things I can improve on. CrossFit, for sure, pull-ups. I'm in the pull-up program right now. Nice. Fingers crossed. Uh, I think I have the strength. I just don't have the rhythm okay. for the kipping pull-ups. Yeah, for sure. And uh, my toes to bar also. I'm getting them, but I can't. I'm having a hard time stringing them together. Um, so I think that my strength is finally kind of where it needs to be. Now yeah. I just have to get more rhythm. Yeah. Um, like handstand push, like stuff that you crazy people do that... I'm not sure if I'll ever do that stuff. Yeah, no, just, yeah I, don't, you know. I don't know if I'll ever do that stuff anymore yeah. anymore in retirement. Just it's just kind of like, you know, I really like power and... cleans. I'm fine. Not, <laughs> yeah. not my neck not hurting for yeah. the next, you know, it's hurt for the last five years. Yeah. So it's been a nice, uh, a nice year to not have like lingering neck yeah. pain all the time. I think it'd be cool to do one of those, um, uh, butterflies or chest bar because it yeah. looks so pretty when you guys do it yeah you when know? it's yeah and the, but that's like you said it's like the the rhythm for the kipping pull-up and the rhythm for the toe to bar kind of yeah. have to come first and then yeah. the the butterfly pull-up is way more reliant on rhythm than either of those and yeah. so it's like if you're um but that body control that you guys are working on all the time is kind of yeah. that that's the the main fundamental yeah. piece that you got to nail down so that's cool do you feel like the just kipping more often a lot of times i think is a, is underdeveloped in a lot of people yeah. and it's a skill that like Sometimes it's so simple on the surface and mm-hmm. it's such a fundamental that like people just kind of are like, oh yeah, I'm, like I can do it. I'm fine. Yeah. And so they don't necessarily take it seriously, but you guys do like dedicated work yeah. on the kip. Do you feel like that's something that's like changed your thought process with that? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Because you're constantly thinking, um, okay, uh, ribs down, feet together, you know, yeah. all kinds of stuff. And then when you're doing class, you're kind of rushing, you yeah. know, so. For sure. All right, Blitz and our animals have gotten uh, whiny and needy, and so Blitz wants to constantly go in in and out, and now Sarah's giving her some, like, very legitimate scratches that she's in heaven for. Sarah Whaley also likes to scratch her like that, and you and Sarah have kind of started this uh, woman mance, however you want to call that. I need a better name for that. And you guys kind of have supported each other and signed up for competitions, mm-hmm. and you went and watched roller derby. Oh, yes. yes. And I'm interested your thoughts on roller derby. Um, well, it was something I've never seen before. Um, much respect to the sport. I didn't, I had no idea. Like I still don't know the rules, but yeah. there's a lot of rules. Yeah. Um, and just how they go around and they basically use their bodies to block people out. Yeah. It's intense. It's very intense. Yes. Yeah. So it used to be on one of like the, the like higher ESPNs or something online. Like we'd keep it on the background. I remember watching it like dedicatedly for like an afternoon and I was just like, I have to figure out what's going on. And having <laughs> announcers made like the biggest difference in the world because I think they understood almost everybody watching is going to have no idea what's going on. Right. Mm-hmm. And so they would try to explain the sport as they'd go. And they had like that, like before the, you know, before each race, they would like put the rules up and you mm-hmm. can kind of watch and see. I'm a big believer. Like I love new sports. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I love trying to learn new sports and then mm-hmm. seeing if like, that's something that 
would be fun for friendship or friendship people. Yeah. Um, I think that one's maybe a little extreme. It would lead to like a lot of like shattered ankles. Maybe. Like, like sure, God, I, I know, I know, I would shatter <laughs> mine. I'm the worst like roller skater uh, of all I'm time. Can you roller skate or do I you... can roller skate. I need a wall to stop. Okay. But I can skate forward. Nice on the four wheel ones. Do you did you learn when you were younger? Did you learn on the four wheels or did you learn on roller blades? It was four wheels because I can remember going to like little skating things as a kid. Yeah. You know? And then you are in that era of loving, like, what I consider in my head to be mostly, like, the roller skate arena music. Where, like, you would go and it would just be like, like, I picture you in, like... A white snake like jean jacket <laughs> oh, going to the roller skate. Got, well, that's, that's more Sean. Sean's yeah. four years older than yeah. me. Okay. Uh, but mine would have been more like uh, boys to men uh, okay. and stuff like that. Right. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, you do. You like you're like a closet. You're the mom in the minivan listening to Notorious B.I.G. Yeah, that's kind of like what you're notorious absolutely. around Dublin for. <laughs> Did you do the survey? What did you put for your fav- favorite music choice? Definitely not country. Okay. I'm sorry, Liz and Andy. Um, I just can't pull energy from yeah. it. And it's too, as Sean would say, it sounds like they're saying ding dong every time they're singing. <laughs> um, but I I admit I love, you know, like the Tupac. And yeah. Tom always had his music on point. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So. Pandora, you can thumbs up, thumbs down. And that's pretty much, you can manipulate a station mm-hmm. by what you thumbs up and thumbs down. So you mm-hmm. might have like a really good station. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so Tom... Fortunately or unfortunately, because we're on the same Pandora account as when Tom oh. was here, he worked diligently, and this is like something that people don't know, to manipulate as many of these different okay. stations as possible. Yeah. There's a few of them like, man, I think it's Flowrida Radio, I'm pretty sure. It's mm-hmm. one of those, and he manipulated it to where it would only play Disney songs and Disney oh. music. And oh. it was like this long, yeah. like six month long trek where he yeah. would he did thump. do some Disney I do remember well that it's now. that one there's like the one song from Turbo and then there's some Justin Timberlake song that was in Trolls oh yeah and Stop he kept yeah and yeah. he kept thumbs up in that every time it would come on they thumbs down every other song oh. and then like over time it'd just give him like a song from Little Mermaid and yeah. he thumbs that up and it's just like and then now the whole stations are ruined but the big one that he does is like one of my favorite stations is uh, 90s hip hop yeah. And that used to be like the best station there. But what he started doing was thumbs up in all the Wu Tang songs oh. and then thumbs down yeah. in like all like the, you know, Ice Cube and all yeah, those yeah. types of music. And uh, and so now it's just like, but Wu Tang is like super aggressive, yeah. like too aggressive for some people. Yeah. And like some of their songs have like these long interludes and yeah. exit ludes and all that stuff. I don't really stuff. like those. I just like the, um, I don't know, like I wouldn't say rap, but probably more of like a hip hop. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think we like the same music. Yeah. And it's like, uh, so I, now I try to find these new stations. Like, what can I put on that will that will get us back yeah. into some normalcy? Yeah. Uh, and so Tom listens to these and he'll be cracking up because it was like this like on-running game. Uh, and still to this day, we'll text each other pictures when uh, this one Flo Rida song comes on because it used to just be like every third song oh. this song would come yeah. on. So. And that's where I'm going to choose to cut this one off. Thanks for listening, guys. I appreciate it.